We are in the midst of a, a series called Triggered where we're talking about real things in the, in the real world. And, you know, last week, well, the, the series, we focus heavily on the authority of Scripture and knowing kind of what truth is because there's a lot of triggering things and we can either build our lives based off of the truth or by whatever the current thing is. And last weekend we talked primarily about sexual immorality and uh, how the Bible informs on what we ought to do with that and how we should run and flee from immorality. And this week we're going to be diving into the world of, of politics. And the reason that I chose these two uh, topics to really look at is these are normally topics that churches either minor on, don't talk about at all, or these are topics that churches major on and it becomes their identity. And I wanted to discuss this because our biblical worldview should inform our politics. What happens far too often is our politics inform our biblical worldview. So we want, you know, we have, you know, things that we're passionate about politically, and all of a sudden we can get, make the Bible agree with us on those things. When sometimes we should, not sometimes, all the times we should build our lives off of what does the Bible say, and how do we interpret that into the political realm. Uh, if you look at the headlines, you know, anytime, this, these are the only two things that exist, is politics and sex, or sex and politics. These are the only things that ever occur anywhere in our lives. And I think most of us that live in a real world, like, those get a lot of noise, but they're not everything, but they sure seem to be. So I wanted to really dive in to this. And we built this series off of the book of Jude, which is a small little letter at the end of your Bible, right before the book of Revelation. And it is a... A letter where he spends around 20 verses railing against this group of people that have, he, he says have slipped into the church and are leading it based off of their emotions or their desires or what they want and aren't necessarily leading it off of uh, the word of God. And then the last five verses, he turns it and he turns his attention to the church and he does it with the, these words. He says, but you, dear friends, you, the church, but you, dear friends, in verse 20, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Let's go back to verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up. Faith takes work and maintenance and strengthening. And what happens is a lot of times 
Uh, we get saved, we get excited, and then we don't necessarily put in the work to make our faith strong. And so when difficult times occur, we need rescued and we look for a savior. We look for something, someone to fix this issue for us, either personally or societally or culturally. And far too often, that is someone that is a, a politician or a, you know, a government leader. And our faith, you know, when we look at this, it's difficult because when we are in the realm of looking at political leadership, we can place far too much trust on humans. Has a politician, this, I know you're going to have to search the depths of your soul for this answer, has a politician ever failed? I know, keep thinking, right? Okay. Has a government leader ever failed? Yeah, okay. Uh, Eric, can you fix the AC again? Thanks. Or it, this is the time of year the building has no concept of what to do. Um, it heats up in the morning, and then we have throw 100 people in a room, and, has, and it gets down. Yeah, never mind. By up, I mean make it warmer. Okay. We can place far too much trust in, the, in leadership and into government entities. And where this happens really is about every four years or so, on even-numbered years, uh, about six months out from November, let's just say November, um, everybody gets bombarded with this person, this party, this legislation will solve everything. And if you just vote for this person, this party, this legislation, then our world will be puppy dogs and rainbows. And everything will be right. And everything will be good. And I've been, like I said earlier, I've been in senior leadership, let's see, in 2020, 2016, 2012, 08, and 04. I haven't seen one of them solve it all yet. And we keep trying to find this person or this party or whatever. And because as humans, we're desperately looking for salvation in anything else other than, than Jesus. And when we are playing these roles of like, you know, trying to find this perfect candidate or person, and reality, the only one that can rescue us is Jesus. But we haven't necessarily tried that yet. So we're just going to keep trying. And I guarantee you, in this time next year, we're going to be in the throes of another presidential or whatever else is going to be on the ballot. There will be a, hey, well, man, if you vote this way, puppy dogs and rainbows. And then we're going to get to December and we're going to go, wait, what happened? Why isn't everything fixed yet? So we have a lot of misplaced trust in, in leadership and because we're allowing what we want to occur to inform our faith when our faith should inform our politic. And this can very quickly turn into idolatry where we are putting people and leaders and other things up on a pedestal. Now you have churches can address this in one of two ways. We can totally ignore it and never discuss politics whatsoever. Or we can make politics the only thing that we ever discuss. Actually, our entire identity as a church is how we vote 
or how or what you know program that we think is the best thing for the community. And I think most of us are in the middle of that. Where most of us, I think, are trying to live our lives, raise our kids, teach them the word of God. They wake up, they go to school, we try to keep them safe, try to give them a good life, leave a life worthy of the calling that God has on us, give them a legacy, and make sure that they know that they, that they are loved and cared for. And that's all that we are really trying to do. But man, you turn on TV and everything is absolute urgent crisis. So how, what does the Bible say about God and government? This is where this gets complicated. Because what is complicated about Eastridge is I know just based off of your social media posts, I see those, okay, that we are a very diverse group of Christians, and that is a wonderful thing. I know there are some that vote this side and some that vote that side. Awesome. Do your thing. My goal is not to necessarily, you're not going to get a voting guide when you walk out of here. Okay? My goal as a pastor is desperately teach you the word of God and teach you the authority of scripture and allow that to inform your politic. But what happens when government authority and all of that goes counter to our faith? What are we supposed to do? What if, what if your faith runs into your politic and your political leader and they're not agreeing each, with each other right now? Do you... Put your faith aside, or do you put your politic aside, or what do you do? There's actually a really fascinating story in the book of Acts. Uh, the apostles are being held captive uh, because they are trying to preach the word of God. And they are broken out of prison, and they get ratted out, and then they're found you know, out in the, out in the middle. They're not hiding, and they're, they're found out in the middle. And someone comes and reports them to the Sanhedrin, who are the, the government of religious authority at that time. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing at the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Let's stop here. Let's just say you were broken out of prison. You kind of got through that. Sanhedrin bring you forward and say, we hear you're doing it again. Knock it off. What would your response be in that moment? Because you have a very clear decision here of God or government. Now, these are religious leaders. And they're saying, stop talking about Jesus. And Peter leans into this. And the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. Okay. And then he starts preaching to them. 
The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. That's the ticket back to jail, isn't it? God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We can't stop talking about it. You might throw us in prison, you might do all this, but this is so important that this is going to just leak out of me and if that's going to run into the government or this authority, I'm just going to keep talking. How do you know what that truth is without you have to be in the word of God and you have to know what the biblical truth is and that may run into government authority from time to time. We have a decision to make. What is more important to us? The biblical foundation or what the government wants us to do? That's tough. If you grew up in the church in Sunday school, there's a couple of stories that everybody like, it, it remembers, or it's kind of, it was, if they made a veggie tale out of it, um, you probably remember these stories. And there's one about the three boys in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's reign in the book of Daniel. And these three boys were named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were demanded to worship an idol of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he had, was very powerful, and he wanted them to worship this idol and he brought them forward and said if you're not going to do this I'm going to throw you into the fire and Daniel 3 verse 16 it says Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him King Nebuchadnezzar we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter if we're thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand but even if he does not we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We refuse. Even if that means we're going to be punished and thrown into the, this fiery pit, and even if God does not rescue us and from that moment, he will rescue us eventually, we refuse to kneel at this God that you want us to worship. Now, what is this God? This God is an idol. What is an idol? An idol is something that you place on a pedestal that only God deserves. It's the first thing. It's the thing that you worship, the thing you sacrifice for, the thing that you uh, give power to, the thing that you allow to have authority in your life. Okay, it's really easy when those things are giant gold statues. But what idols do we have in our life that we are being asked to kneel in front of, and we as a people of faith will go yes or no. And that's when it gets hard, because what happens then is if it's a government entity or a political leader that is saying to do those things, you can either lead with your faith or lead with your politic. And that's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's Difficult, because we're passionate about things. You know, I have a, a political life as well. And my goal as a pastor here is for you to not ever really be able to guess. Like, Tom's totally a Democrat. Or Tom's totally a Republican. Okay? I, I want you to, because I think where the world is, is in that 
middle. The, the, the polar edges get the megaphones. Because they're fun and they're fun to have on the news. And they say stuff. Okay? And we all look at that and go, oh man, they're passionate about that. But I think most of us, at least for me, and if and I've spoken with a lot of you, just want to live our lives. Want to put food on the table for our kids and let them know that they're loved and teach them the love of God. And say, this is the truth of God's word. And we have given so much of our society and our time and our lives over to politics that it does not deserve that level of time or that level of work. How many news broadcasts do we watch when it's another political leader or somebody else promising a whole bunch of things that only Jesus can? So our attention and our gaze and our focus ought to be on what the truth of God is. So should we pray for our leaders? Yes. Should we pray that they choose morality? Yes. Should we pray that they lead honorably and with integrity? Yes. Will they screw up? Yes. Will Jesus? No. So hopefully, that is how you preach a political sermon in a diverse congregation that is encouraging and hopeful and reorients our lives and our focus and our hearts back to the word of God because we have to get that right. The voting and all that stuff, it'll be an interesting year, Um, right? (laughs) May you live in interesting times. But we're going to live through that as children of God, not as political elements. That's the truth of God's word. We must obey God rather than men. Why don't you pray with me this morning? Lord, there's a lot of different backgrounds, political leanings, passions, wants, needs in the room. And those are all important to us. But may we never allow those to be of more importance than you. May our first priority be you and the word of God and following you. And when those run into our politics and conflict, may we choose you. May we not compromise the word of God on the altar of politics or a government leader. We pray for those who are in leadership. We pray for those who are uh, guiding this city and this state and this country, that they make decisions based off of your values and your truth. So as your kids, Dad, we need some help. May you guide us. May you show us what true leadership is. And may we follow your son. It's in your name we pray. Amen.